We'll travel back in time, I tell you. We'll travel back two weeks, and we'll talk about those comics. <laughs> <laughs> the comics of the past. At least we don't have to go all the way back to the last year. Oh. 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 Welcome to the XY Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And we're doing a little holiday catch-up. Yeah, we're doing a double dose of episodes catching you up catching us up and it's gonna be fast this is gonna be great it's gonna be great we got five six comics i don't know i love how i put rom and the x-men on top of the pile and you were like no nobody no. read that we're not talking about it no. it existed maybe you only... told me i didn't have to read it <laughs> stop making it out like i just said i kept i kept putting it back in the stack on top of the stack and it was definitively, along with Timeless, left downstairs. It was, it was like, not these are not me. the podcast. It's not in the list. Tell me about that list. Okay. Well, we've got the original X-Men number one, Astonishing Iceman number five, Uncanny Avengers number five, Wolverine Against the Sentinels with the Amazing Spider-Man number 40, Uncanny Spider-Man number five. We're going to loop our digis together and we're in not the doing next any, episode. No news right now. No news. There's a poll and there's some general questions. Oh, snap. Poll, 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 eh. <laughs> I don't think I liked that very much. I use my data noise now. What's your data noise? Oh, I have a noise for data. You didn't know? Oh, shoot. There you go. Data. Well, I mean, and we don't need to. Are you going to remember what your personal news was from the week of the 20th? Like now, we'll, we'll just catch you up on that next time. This is this is for the comics. This is just for the comics. This is just for the comics. We have four comics in the poll: Uncanny Spider-Man, Wolverine, Uncanny Avengers, and Astonishing Iceman. Who won that poll? Mm, Uncanny Spider-Man. By how much? Okay, four. So if it was working evenly, that's twenty-five percent each. To win it, it's gonna be. Th- 47%. 59% for Uncanny Spider-Man. Who came in second? Two. Number two, 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 two is Wolverine? No. Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny Avengers, as I knew it rightfully it. should. Who came in third? Wolverine. No. Iceman? Iceman. Uncanny Avengers had 31%. Iceman had 6%. Wolverine had 3 which oh, that, that was a rough shoot. fall for the bubs who has been doing pretty well in this last mutant standing arc that was unexpected yeah see the people have spoken they're sick of them <laughs> yeah we have a couple of questions that get towards that we can talk about that as we go J. A. Arbach author is working his way through a backlog of comics and listening along as he goes which is awesome thanks for the note john yes looking forward to you catching up and glad to be there along the way It's actually something a few people have mentioned recently, falling behind in the weekly reads and listening along as they catch back up, which is just kind of cool to have the backlog at the ready for people. I love to be a part of your comic reading fun. Yeah. You know, part of your your ritual of comic reading. Well, it's something else I think about in contrast to the Marvel Unlimited releases, Mm. right? Is there anybody that strictly reads on marvel unlimited and they're matching back with that uh dante who we met at the uncanny yes. experience he posts every monday he posts like what's up with this week's releases on marvel unlimited in x books and i think that's a really great 
service yeah. for those that are reading that and following along is similar to what we do for like the weekly books for Wednesday, but more on a digital screen. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Highlighting that one specific group area. Blanchina wonders, is it me or had this wave of titles been pretty meh? I mean, I definitely enjoyed some more than others, but overall have been pretty underwhelmed. I've been surprised by titles like Uncanny Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, Alpha Flight. And then Michael said that he'd come back uh, and then he didn't finish the message. But <laughs> to get to the heart of what he's talking about, what do you feel? I do feel like a little disappointed with the general run of the minis of Fall of X because I don't feel like many of them left us with any new information or any progress in the story. The and world story. Yeah. Like, like I was thinking about it when I was getting ready for us to record today. I was kind of like looking at the ones that finished up and I'm like, all right, you know, Iceman pretty much we're exactly where we were at the start of it. Uncanny Avengers seems like it was starting to lead towards change, but then nothing, sure, 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 you know, sure. like, so there's like that idea, but, th- but then you like have how the narrative is changed for these characters at all. And I, right. I definitely got into that with uncanny, with amazing, with Iceman, whatever adjective you have in front of him, <laughs> astonishing, astonishing Iceman and how I just, I mean, like, I don't want to rip the bandaid off, but I don't feel like it did anything for the character. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, I guess that's a good point of like, what did it do for the characters versus what did it do for the world? Because I feel like that's kind of the struggle and, and where we're at with such a high stakes moment. It's like, I understand that we're the fall itself and, and the end of Krakoa as we know it is something that's going to take months, but it feels like a little bit like that analogy that you were using about, you know, when you get to the top of the peak of the roller coaster, but then you've just gone down like a little hill and then there's sure. another peak and like, where's the big drop? Yep. Um, so I can kind of see where Michael's coming from with all of that. But I also feel a little bit like we just are so hungry for exciting stories that we expect every story to be really, really exciting and like life changing. And then that's and, not really. And that's always kind of been the balance between the, what, what I like to call the tent poles mm-hmm. and kind of the, the run in between, right? The excitement of the Hellfire Gala, the excitement of the incoming rise of the powers of X and the fall of the House of X, you know, mm-hmm. these bigger cornerstones, the excitement leading up to Sins of Sinister, the excitement leading up to Inferno and just what Inferno was. And mm-hmm. then how does it feel in that in-between stretching across the narrative area that they have playing? It's interesting because it also, you know, I think the the idea of is it serving the character? Is it serving the world narrative? And if it's not doing either, is it doing its job? Right. Or then you think of, you know, we talk a lot about because Krakoa. Right. Because of what that experiment at the start set out to do, we're always looking for that world narrative. X-Books, in general, were not like that. You know, mm. it's it's a story that you read for these characters because you like these characters or you like these creators. And then where it goes is largely contained to that title. And then you have your crossovers. Whereas Krakoa was the world that exists as a crossover punctuated by events. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that has a lot of people... You know, it's, it's interesting because... I think it was in Tom Brevert's newsletter a couple weeks ago where he was talking about how when I, when I was a kid, you know, the, the comic collector of 15, 20, 30 years ago, 
who wanted, who dreamed of, who wished for more evolved comic storytelling, that, mm-hmm. that it would be taken seriously as a medium and not just be funny pages and action beat-em-ups. And has that changed the expectation for, and is there still a market for action beat-em-ups? And, mm. and where does that divide come from? And how do we as readers know what is what and what it is that we're looking for? It's just kind of like interesting as you think of the medium as a whole yeah, versus for sure. just the weekly books that we enjoy because we love mutants. Yeah, because part of why I love the mutants so much is their personal story, yep. is their their individual character moments and and the moments that take out of their, you know, fighting mode just like how they handle their struggles and how they develop as characters. So that is why I've always been drawn to them, but I do like the the action beat 'em ups. <laughs> As you call them. Yep. But I feel like... It's a balance. It is a balance. And it's like a per-issue balance, like within the issue itself and like in an arc, right? Like you Or even wanna... just in a suite of offerings, right? right? If you have one that is... Like no one's expecting Wolverine Patch, that miniseries, to give world-shattering character development to Logan. Right. Right? No one is really wondering... I'm trying to think of another, not to, not to just throw that one, because I I would agree that I think Magneto, the miniseries that took place in the past, did mm-hmm. some character work for Magneto. Yeah. Storm did not. Right. right? You know, like, like what you're expecting from these types of stories. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I had in my mind, I referenced these as the comics reader of Christmas past, pr- Christmas present, and Christmas future. J.P. Didomasso is reading into the preview pages and thinks he knows where the team of X-Men is going in Fall of the House of X. Oh. I don't want to say it because I don't think you've seen the preview pages. I've seen them. I've read the lettered preview pages as well. Oh, I've no. been diving into the internet. Edward III is with Alicia on the Marvel Legends reveals. Less Wolverine would be better. Where's Destiny? Yeah. And I bring it up because, you know, everybody's going to talk about Wolverine. This has come up a couple times in the house yeah. since the last episode we were talking about Wolverine. I want a Destiny more yeah, than I, I want another it. Wolverine. I feel like that is a, a great example for me to step upon my soapbox of also I am going to buy all four of these Wolverine I sets know. because I love Wolverine. It's his 50th anniversary. That's why they're doing a suite of releases specifically tied to this character. And again, it's kind of the, the reaction I get when we talk about a lot of these Wolverine-centered stories. Don't buy it. If you don't want it, don't buy it. Like I Genuinely, I feel like... And, and this is not to Edward III. This is not to anyone in particular. Voice your concern. Take action with your wallet. And that will send the message of, okay, this is not something that we can keep on rehashing. Because if people keep on buying something, that leads to the, well, he sells, so we'll make more of it. I wonder, though, like, what the ratio of people who are really invested in the X universe and all that is going on with all of the mutants and like the storyline and and the the triumphs of them and like the women yeah. and like all of sure. that what is the ratio of those people versus just people who only buy Wolverine for the nostalgia who love a Wolverine who don't read anything else you know what i mean so like or, or anything in between right, but, the but, person that's just buying X-Men red i know but what you're saying is like don't if if you don't want just Wolverine then don't support just Wolverine and i'm saying i don't know that 
those people i don't think that's it's pulling from the same pool of people and so that's like where i come from is the 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 saying of like are you catering to people who are here and supporting everything that you do or are you catering to these people who will only buy a wolverine so like every once in a while you just do just a bunch of wolverine i think you're catering to a variety of people who have a variety of interests and are creating a palette of different titles that would speak to different readers and i think that that's the same reason that Excalibur was for some people and not for others. You want your magic and fantasy worlds? Like, that's the book for you. If you want... like You don't go to a Wolverine comic and expect something that is not Wolverine being gruff and slashing things up, right? Yeah. It's it's difficult because I, I understand what you're saying and I know that what you're saying is not, like, personally aimed at anybody. No. But... And not even, not even. I don't feel defensive. Like I am a Wolverine fan. My name is Justin. I am a Wolverine fan. I like the Bubs. I, a hundred percent. You know, I brought up Storm and Magneto mm-hmm. because I would agree that they should have their own titles. Storm and Magneto specifically as characters. But then you look at okay, X Men Red, largely a Storm led book, hasn't been selling very well. But it's not titled that way. Okay, but so you're so you're, you have to be reading it to know that. So you're saying that Storm, the book that was titled Storm, should have sold well to Storm fans. Yeah, but, but it did didn't. Not. Yeah, I, and so it's like I, I I hear you, but I also feel like it's annoying to like I, I guess like yeah there are numbers and things to prove it, but like it's it's all the time everywhere so much like and and, and now because it's the fiftieth anniversary, it's just like. To have Wolverine in all these books and all these things and all the time. It's Logan, 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 And in the Deadpool movie coming out this year. The only Marvel Studios release. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I I hear you, but I still think it's oversaturated. Oh, 100%. And I I don't disagree that it's not. It's just the market is there for it. Right. And that's the problem. Because at the end of the day, Marvel's a business. Right. And I question a little bit, like, if they tried to invest and in in selling some of some other characters and like put some real marketing or whatever behind it instead of just saying oh well if we do wolverine obviously yes then we don't have to spend as much money and we don't have to do whatever but like what would happen if you backed some other characters and put put some effort into trying to build someone else up as just as high like someone like magneto or storm you know as mm-hmm. just as high as a caliber because I feel that way too with like the original five. I feel like they're the people that nostalgia fans are like original readers like first hooked on to. So they're just going to keep putting them out because they know people will buy them. But that also feels a little bit like they're not giving other characters a chance to become that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get like frustrated. But I understand what you're saying completely and, and it's true. And it's always going to be the shrinking amount. Like you can only sell so many books. Mm-hmm. People are only going to sell or only going to buy so many books that are going to carry that production the Mm -hmm. reason that we went into producing that book even as a fan even as a general x-men fan like you're only going to feel good about buying so many books that you're just like yeah this that or this Mm -hmm. right so you can't overwhelm people with but i i 100 and and barusu 33 follows up shouting 
Alicia out, tired of Logan being the face of X-Men and mutants in other media. And I would agree. I think that he has had his day in the Fox universe. Mm -hmm. I think that him coming in with Deadpool or, or whatever it is that they end up doing in that movie is the way to move forward from Fox, but it also kind of like lays the foundation of like, is right. this the same thing again? Even and his prominence in the animated series, I feel like is, is huge. Right. Or the podcasts, right? right? Right. But the other thing too is like, you think about it and you're like, mm, but in the movie, Deadpool and Wolverine, like... I want to see that. Wolverine is a great, like, buddy comedy sure, partner especially for Especially with Deadpool. Like that yeah. arc, the recent arc with Ben Percy. Right. That was, that was amazing. That was great. Right. I don't know. I just feel like that was something that I wanted to... Just because I, I read a lot of people commenting and yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have my own opinions. I'm not trying to force my opinions on anyone. If you don't want to buy more Wolverine, don't buy more Wolverine. I will not be emotionally affected. Even if they stop making like <laughs> Predator vs. Wolverine, I didn't I didn't need to buy that. That was just kind of like candy. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Rom and the X-Men. No, <laughs> I didn't read it. I have nothing to say. All right. Let's talk about the original five. The original X-Men. I don't, we're not going like full plot. We're just, the original time displaced X-Men were contacted by the Phoenix and sent into a future alternate timeline to talk themselves out of doing nonsense mm -hmm. big picture yeah what'd you think about this i found it difficult to get into because mm -hmm. i was like all right alicia you're gonna read this you're gonna put all your feelings about you know your pre preconceived notions about what this book is aside and you're just gonna read it and i did and i started reading it and then i got aggravated because i felt like as i was reading it i was literally reading the first issue of the gene gray miniseries 100%, over again 100%. and i know that it's different but I also feel like could there have been a different way of getting into the end goal story, which is that the, wolf, the, the Wolverine, weapons right, weapons of X-Men. And now we have this like well, evil version. Of, yeah, weapon X-Men. We have this evil version of the Phoenix. It's like trouncing through timelines and, you know, we need to gather a team to do it. And obviously the O5, you know, are not the people to do that. But that's where I was getting frustrated because of the similarities of like we're going to decide that you guys don't forget what happened when you went into this alternate future. Plus, it's not just the the Jean Grey mini, but also like the idea of the white hot room and that the Phoenix mm -hmm. is playing mm -hmm. this role. And like I understand they're building the Phoenix back up in this other story. But to have, you know, two or three titles now centering around this idea of something that is a retelling of a past story is – a little bit disheartening to me because I am all for learning about the past through this lens of the retelling or this lens of a different thing because I didn't read those books but it feels like too too much of it is yeah. it's all centering around this thing you reusing know? tropes too right. like it just feels very reminiscent of a lot of things that and I would 100% agree I think Jean Grey issue one is a perfect moment to call out because mm -hmm. a lot of the same beats from that issue happen in this issue here. Yeah. It's interesting to then see how this is basically issue one of the Weapon X-Men right. story. Right. Yeah. It's just packaged in a different way to attract more readers likely mm -hmm. and then continue that on into the mini that follows. Right. So anybody that likes the original X-Men, anybody that likes the O5, likes nostalgia comics, they might be drawn to something like this. And then the hook at the end of like, oh, okay, I might want to see where this goes now. I mm -hmm. heard a bunch of hubbub about this online i mean i do think that the the concept of weapon x-men like 
interesting is interesting now in a way that I didn't before you know where it's like okay so we have AOA Wolverine who is partnering with one version of the Phoenix to take down this multiversal evil Phoenix and that's Mm -hmm. why we have to gather and but I do feel like a little bit in reading that that like do you really think wolverines from different universes are the ultimate answer to destroying the phoenix i don't (laughs) i don't so maybe weapon x-men could have been led by aoa wolverine but we could have brought in other characters who have the strength to fight the phoenix and that's where i a little bit was like i'm not sure this didn't, I'm confused. This didn't need to be a Wolverine fan's wet dream of like, oh my god, there's <laughs> how many different Logans and there's a Lady Logan and there's just, and Jean is growling them all. Yeah, interested to see the new Lady Logan and yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I I like I said I really tried to take this for its story, but the story was repetitive. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. I enjoyed it more than most that I've heard from mm-hmm. in terms of repeating story or just where it went with this i think that's an interesting way to set up a multiversal threat something that happens outside of mainline continuity Mm -hmm. this is something that you know and you look at the release date it's now as we're talking about what's to come after krakoa and then it starts in march which is kind of the in-between as krakoa's ending and whatever comes next starts Mm -hmm. so this is a no consequence bridge Mm -hmm. series for just to have something on the shelves potentially yeah and or they had this idea that they wanted to do i don't know the writer if he pitched this or they approached him that's always something i think is an interesting element this was written by christos gage art by greg land colors by inks by jay leaston colors by frank niamarta letters clinton coles bc's clinton coles ryan stegman jp meyer and brad anderson on the cover i i agree wholeheartedly with the the retreaded i don't have as much problem of the fact that it's an 05 story again like that interested me just because i have nostalgia for the 05 and it's just something else outside you know it's not big thinky and that's why i went into it being like all right alicia like let go of your like silly little thoughts about the 05 you know what i mean like whatever this could be a good story sure and i'm trying to be more open to those ideas because i know that people hold those characters really dear to them and like when we did um ugly xmas uh, the holiday hangover the other day and when we were talking um to a couple of people comic extracts brought up this idea about like the Krakoan comics being like where he feels at home essentially and like where he really dug in and so it it sort of in that moment opened up this idea of oh yeah that's how i feel like sure, how some right. people feel about the 05 is you like that's their x-men this team, i right. feel that this, this is ownership X-Men. over this team and i think though what i feel is that the ownership over the idea that so many mutants have so many beautiful things about them and, and that there were so many stories in so many directions led by different mutants that my brain gets mad when we go back to the sure. like original. Yeah, yeah. But I have to respect that like there wouldn't be the stories that yeah. we have now without this, these other stories. So Or, or the fans of those stories right, exactly. who continue to be fans of comics now. Right, right. right. So it's like, okay, I have to put my feelings my personal feelings aside and kind of try to take every story as it try is try to take it for what it is right. and enjoy it can you without any preconceived notions without any emotional attachments to or without this character can it be a good story right and the question the answer is meh <laughs> it seems like that's a big long-winded way of saying let's talk about astonishing ice man <laughs> astonishing ice you want to talk about meh sorry 
We do have some questions for the original X-Men. Okay. Remspring are calling out, Scott, next time one of us comes from the future to recruit us, we're saying no. <laughs> and I 100% agree, Remy, because like, we're, we're, we're not doing this again. No. We're just no. We're good. Thank you. I will say in that issue, like, the quickness in which Scott realized that Gene, or like, I yes. wasn't expecting him, him to, to be like, twist, yeah. oh yeah, Gene's not Gene anymore, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. instantly be on the side of the people who are trying to take her down. So I was kind of proud of him in that moment. I was like, good job, man. Well, it's interesting because he's living with it, right? right? And so he's ignoring it to an extent, but when he's confronted by all these people that he loves and cares about and the past vision of himself, and he's like, no, this is not, right. this is not Gene. Oh, that's not I get Gene. it now. Jai Rivera wants to know why Gene wiping Eric's mind creates Onslaught. Isn't he the mix of Charles and Eric's psyche? Also, what good is a bunch of Wolverines against Onslaught? Which, fair point. Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, I, I'd imagine that they're just taking... So it, it's it's the residue left from the negative emotions of Charles Xavier and Magneto intertwining when Xavier went in and shut down Magneto's brain in X-Men 25 mm -hmm. from the original adjectiveless run. And I believe that they're just taking that and they're saying analogous to the darkness of the Phoenix and Jean mm -hmm. and all of the negative things in her mind when that same action happened and the past of this universe's timeline to intertwine and create this new threat of Onslaught. I don't know would this actually create the onslaught that we know from previous mm. stories or would it be a different timelines so right, different timelines should likely look different or be some kind of other creation but probably playing on nostalgia for the character of onslaught and if mm. that is interesting as a omniversal threat which I, i'd agree kinda. yeah yeah warland calling out the last page as full of great editors slash writers notes including the fact that earth 696 is the one Gene creates in Gene Gray issue one. It's hmm. a full page that reminds me why I love Chris Gage. It's also great to see Angel doing something and being written well, mm. which I would agree with the Angel thing. And and it's also interesting, right, to see how those ramifications of Gene's... I'm, I'm not... Oh, the Gene Gray mini. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I didn't think that the Phoenix was creating... I didn't think that Gene was creating alternate universes in that series it just felt like she was playing out what ifs mm. but then when you compare it to immortal x-men and the ability to create from the white hot room can you create new universes can you create new timelines yeah i think we talked about this a little bit though when we were going over the gene gray series in general and the phoenix at the end was like They, they talk about how all of that didn't actually happen, don't they? They say like, hmm. oh, yeah, you – I don't know. It feels like the Fe the Phoenix was like showing Gene in like a ghost of Christmas past kind of kind way. Kind of, yeah. Where... You know? And, and so like it's interesting because obviously that's I think what we originally thought was like, oh, these are all alternate timelines now. And, but... and thinking about that world and what created from that story and what we even see in this issue, like they didn't end the same way. Mm. So maybe these are just different examples of when Gene embraces the Phoenix and takes over and, and does yeah. that mind wipe to Magneto mm, because that we, was... didn't, we didn't get to Onslaught. Right? right. That was my understanding was that like this was this was a problem that stemmed from a different a couple universes. of different actions right like anyway. a, in a different universe gene didn't handle the phoenix well and it became this yeah. thing and now that version of the phoenix is going and like gobbling up other universes 
But cool to think about. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, kind of like time travel shenanigans. All right. Now let's start Astonishing Iceman. Mm-hmm. So the final battle, right? That's what this was all about. It's Mr. Clean versus Iceman. It's the showdown at his Superman base in Antarctica. It's right? finding out that Romeo is not actually dead, right? Because we thought right? that he died he in he the died. last issue. Very much so looks as though he died. What do you think about this as the ending for the series and or just as a single issue? As a single issue, it was interesting in, you know, fight, the, right? the action was yeah. good and the kind of, you know sacrifice nature of of Iceman saying to Romeo like you got to get out of here I'm fine without you like I got this and then him going away and Iceman saying oh I'm not actually like that fine but like it's whatever I'm gonna beat you you know that that was fine and and it was a you know it was a story that kept good pacing and, and moved forward but as an overall when I think about where the series started, like we started with this idea that Iceman's Iceman dead. is dead, but then he's more like this. And I do feel in this issue, we got a little bit better of an understanding of how exactly he didn't really die because his air, his moisture particles stay in the air and all of that. Um, so I was grateful for that little bit of explanation. But to know that the the series started out with Iceman being in tangible and trying to figure out how to become tangible again and then for this the run to end with him basically in the same doing place the exact same thing yeah. being in the same spot and like leaving that note you know and having hints of him reappearing it just i'm not sure what it did for him as a character and i'm not sure what it did for us in the world well so and I, I that's why I was really excited about how we were talking about it at the top of the episode, because this is the title that made me think the most about what did this do for the character? What did it do for the world story? Mm-hmm. I don't think it did anything for the character besides show he's got a supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Right. Spider-Man is his friend. He's got a mom. Here's some other people. Right. Right. They're there. We've learned nothing about Bobby, except we've explored this new element of his power slash the reaction to him being infested with napalm you know molecular napalm right whatever nimrod calls it which is an interesting power development but not something that i would think is necessary to explore mm-hmm. over five issues you know you think of wherever he will show up next because we do get iceman will return at the end mm-hmm. and wherever, he says, see you soon wherever he shows up next how is that iceman any different than the iceman in issue one of this miniseries, other than the fact that they have developed the relationship between Romeo and Iceman, mm. which which was on display and and is a great narrative, sure. But in terms of like as a character, I don't think we learn anything about him. Well, I'm like style. really trying to think about the focus of like his relationship with with Romeo and his ability to open up and be like dependent on someone else, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a progression and, for his character and fighting the idea that he's just the class clown right, right. You know, he does joke around with clyde he does joke mm-hmm. around with his his ice minions but he is at his heart a hero and i think that that rings throughout but... and i do think that they do comment in some points about him never really having like a long-term partner and so this idea of feeling like it's okay to rely on someone else or like that someone has your back in a deep personal way maybe was a triumph for him overall but i just feel like we didn't we didn't progress because we literally landed where we started 
I mean, I love the cover. Yeah. Just to, just to talk about the art a little bit. I, I love the cover, the shattered. I do really enjoy Vincenzo Caratu's art throughout the series. Oh, I yeah. Think that there that's are also some gnarly images in here. Which some are great awesome. fighting shots. Yeah. Uh, give the full credits. is written by Steve Orlando. Art by Vincenzo Caratu. Colors, Java Tartaglia. Letters, Travis Lanham. He sees Travis Lanham. Jesus says on that cover. And we do have a question. Ooh. Not really a question. It's more... A statement. I'm Red X Baby shouting out the corn suit died in the fire. All caps where it belongs. <laughs> and I imagine that that was about Mr. Clean and just yeah. like the way that it looked like a corn stalk. Yeah. In his suit. But yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. I don't I, I imagine. I wonder what the pitch was for this. Mm. Like, I'm just curious as to where was the. What was the goal around this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny Avengers. The standoff reveal cover. Mm. Stevel versus the Uncanny Steve-o. Squad. That's... I appreciate a fun little pun like that. And the whole team jumped in on it, right? So the majority of this issue is the fight between our team of heroes and Grant, mm. as he prefers to be called. Who, don't call me by uh, my don't call first him, name. Yeah, seriously. Uh, lots of great call-outs. I, I loved the Deadpool shield yes, throw. Yes. Throw me like one of your vibranium girls. It's just like, okay, <laughs> so good. I love this. And then he just bites him. Uh, yeah. That was good. You kind of had the Ben Urich combining it all together and giving the humans a perspective of the inside scoop. Mm, and this idea of like, yeah, listen, I know that Kingpin's not necessarily totally the, the stand-up guy, but he's telling the truth. Sure. And then you have the ultimate disappointment, the American justice system, letting (laughs) Grant Rogers out free for his blatant war crimes and and attacks on. Right. And we're still we're still putting Cyclops on trial. Right. Even though it's been I I don't that that's the point that I'm like, hey, uh, so we've proven that that's not Cyclops. He's just on trial because of the. Right. That's, I think, for me, the thing that was Biggest most question. disappointing, right? Sure. Like, I was reading the issue, and I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got to the end, and I was like, wait, what? He just got off? He got off scot-free? No no worries. He can stand up here and make a big speech and rip a flag rip in half? Rip an American flag and in half? And people are still, like, on board with him, and, and Cyclops is still on trial. I felt like I, like, missed something. Right. Well, I mean, is that all going to get wrapped up? Or is it too far in the process for them to be like, hey, wait a minute? <laughs> or is that just a suspension of disbelief of timing? And we'll get that answer in this upcoming issue of Fall of the House of X. Yeah, maybe. And I think like it kind of is a statement saying you may think you can have the upper hand on Orcus, but we've got people everywhere. Sure, right. Like everyone's in our pocket. Everyone's on our side. People are even still backing... Steve, you know, Grant Rogers. I right. Keep on calling him steve But, you know, I, I just, that was very, it's it's hard because upsetting, yes, as a reader, as a awareness of evil Steve Rogers in the comic universe, mm. like, that, I, I, that tracks. That's fair. Yeah, I think it just happened really quickly. Like, yeah, sure. The whole issue was leading up to his downfall and then he got out of jail and I was like, well, huh? Right. It was, like I went back and reread the page and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, as a as a fake participant in the world is what I referred mm. to it as. I'm obviously angry about Stevel. I think the fact that we spent all that issue fighting him to then in the last few pages be like, oh, yeah, he's free. Yeah. 
That was kind of frustrating. I loved the Rogue and Deadpool moment. Mm-hmm. Kind of insane how she was brought back in that way. Yeah. And then I questioned, I had said to Justin, like, why is she in a different outfit? But she also has short hair. So because her hair and her clothes got burned off. She got so burned back to the 80s, girl. Yee, I don't Ooh. know how I feel about it. Yeah. I don't know. I like this lineup, though. The people and personalities that it brings together. I doubt we'll mm. see them again like this. But who knows? Yeah. Overall, I felt like it was a great title and a fun story. Like, I was not, as an overall perspective, disappointed at all in it. I I, I enjoyed the issues. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was, like, my favorite one, but... And I'd argue, you know, if, if we're going to continue the nitpick of, like, what did it add to the world story? It explored a element of Orcus's plan. Mm-hmm. But at the end, everything was largely undone. That was being dealt with in this story. But we did also get to see opportunities for other superpowered people and humans to Mm -hmm. see the benefit of mutants and to kind of like waver the idea that Orcus is telling the truth. And I think that the biggest thing is that whether or not Orcus got Stevel off, Ben Yurik's story is still out there. And now that question is in people's minds. Yeah. J.P. Dinomasso was having a hard time choosing between Spider-Man and Avengers for Book of the Week. Both mm. were amazing. And I would agree. I thought this was really yeah. solid. This is probably my number two for the week. Uh, sorry, Wolverine. but Sorry, Wolverine. I had high hopes for that, and it disappointed me, personally. Ramspring is saying that Grant gives Homelander vibes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> talking about a mutant holocaust with his I have a dream energy is horrifying. Yes. I would oh, yeah. 100%. He's... Yeah. He straight up terrifies that me. That was a, a unsettling moment in the comic. And and I think that you, I don't know that you want moments like that. I, I struggle with how we characterize something like that. Because right. you have to understand that in a world of good and evil, evil exists. And right. sometimes evil wins. Mm-hmm. And that makes for balanced storytelling. And it's not just the humans right. partying on a beach all the time. Right? <laughs> Uh, I don't like I didn't feel good about the the images in the background ghosted of Days of Future Past Future, mm-hmm. right? Where you have the Fantastic Four among mutants being imprisoned and, and yeah. enslaved and then the, the tombstones of everyone dying. Right. And like that being this inspiring message that he's, he's lying to the people. You know, the feelings that it makes you feel are intentional. Right, of and I think course. And that's what that, makes it good, right? Yeah, because of that, all right, yeah. But no, the I have a dream energy was terrifying. Edward III's suspension of disbelief was strained in Uncanny Avengers. Seemed too far gone for Rogue to absorb Wade's power, but it was a sweet moment between them. And it was... It was like skin, no skin, just bones. Bone to bone Bone contact. to bone contact. Like how right. do you, like you're not Logan. That has an element to it. Like is there a point where she died and because of, it was What her. do you mean? Wade's not Logan? Rogue's not Logan. Like Rogue would not be able to die and then would constitute oh, herself it, it. from a single drop of blood. Wade, I could buy that because he's got a, you know, derivative I healing factor. I think the... The, like, split second of it was meant that, like, Quicksilver could get him there, like, as the bomb was going off and then get out. So, like, so he theoretically, survive. he, Deadpool touches her yeah. as she's disintegrating and we just see the disintegrated bones and that's how, you know. But yeah, it yeah. it was, like, a very split second right. crazy moment. But also it was a cool moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more the, 
I, I get the how that would challenge the suspension of disbelief. Right. I'm going to push my glasses back and say, excuse me. Uh, that's some weird science, but please, all right. Please explain that. It's cute. Eagles Waterboy had high hopes for Uncanny Avengers, but this issue kind of let me down. Ending was meh. Mm. And I don't know if that's just responding to Steve winning, quote unquote, or per persevering and, and the heroes kind of standing by. I think it could have been solved by even like one more line of dialogue or something because it did feel like very triumphant. Like we got him. We proved he's not Captain Krakoa. Like Orcus has been exposed through Ben Yurik's story and then turn the page and he's out of jail giving a speech. Right. And I would have liked just like one little bit of explanation like who in Orcus's pocket got that to happen because it is believable and it is very relatable in like the world that we live in that the people who are behind the crimes are getting off and placing blame on others and like you do have the one nod to it the police officer as grant is exiting the courthouse says your secret empire retains or something something along those lines and freaking fenris up there with him yeah which, uh, Y'all are mutants. I mean, uh, yes, they're mutants and they're also literal Nazis. Yeah. And then that, that makes you question, like, how much how much more gone are the people of the 616 Marvel yeah. Universe? Yeah. How much do they actually know? What right. are they actually taking in? Is this metaphor stretched a bit further, hopefully? Or is this how, <laughs> how much faith uh, the editorial and creative teams have with the American people? Well, I, I mean... Right? So is, is that part of... The message or right. is it right i don't know yeah no it totally is bruce 33 pointing out the genesis storm and birdo selfie on the first page they need a poster of that please and mm-hmm. agreed on that uh they're wondering why they included stasis's memo data page again which i think it was because of the fact that this is the marvel heroes side mm-hmm. of the house right i think it first appeared in the x-men issue yes yeah, and so, so they're just showing the other Right, you might not have all that info if you don't read X-Men comics. If you're just coming because you're a big Avengers fan, you're reading Uncanny Avengers because mm. you follow Captain America. Uh, but then Barusu also expresses not really liking Steve Rogers or liking Steve Rogers less because of his America is the best comment, especially in the light of the fall of X and what has happened with Krakoa and insensitivity in that. And I think that's really, it's interesting because like we know Captain America to be this guy of the best ideals of what America could be. Mm. And and I, I understand what Bruce is saying about like how that feels saying to mutants that have just lost their homeland. Like Right. Yeah. Right. That this place is the best place. That line or that statement has that's a line that re- really resonates with like the world we live in right sure, now. Yeah. Like I will say that I often am like, well, I'm not really interested in like celebrating the 4th of July to celebrate America. Sure. You know, but like the idea I think is that Cap is trying to get at is that like there is a heart of the the people of the country that will overcome these things that are the facade of the country. And I think that that's right. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about that America. Yeah. The ideals. And that's always Captain America is his ideals. Right. Right. He's not the facts. He's the ideals of what he hopes for the best of people. Right. It's just where we are right now in the world is a difficult line of what the original intent of those ideals was and how how much of an actual facade those are to what's actually going on or like a smokescreen to what's actually going on in the world, you know? So it's like, it's a difficult 
line to read when you're living and you're unsure that you really feel so strongly about that. Sure. Fetorda doesn't like Duggan's cap. Really the most empty generic stances without substance or nuance behind it. Mm. And and I think that that's speaking a little bit towards this, you know, America's great, just kind of centrist ideology that has been brought up, especially in that speech that he gave a couple issues ago. It just kind of like hits yeah. a little deaf. I, and I especially can understand if you're coming to this as a Captain America fan and right. you're coming in from the Avengers side that you're not getting a ton of character development on that front. You know, he does feel very surface level and the like yeah. you know i'm i'm here i'm a face i'm a symbol i'm a but like i don't necessarily mind that for this story but i can understand where that is coming from mm. filipino gambit wondering if that was gambit outside the courtroom i don't think so but interesting to call out and if marvel will explore a deadpool rogue relationship because to, to bring up your face right now to bring up the fact that He's still pining over her and asking how they're doing together. I hate it. I, I love really Rogue and Gambit. I really don't like it. Yeah. If they, if they, if they, no. It's like my one, that and the murder mommies. They're like my favorite couple. You can't and, take them away from each other. You can't break them up. <laughs> End. That's it. Deadpool, sorry, man. Good try. You're a good friend. Connor 1.0 is tearing up at Deadpool saving Rogue. Also, Grant, I'll stick with Evil Cap. <laughs> Steve. Sorry, guy. I'm not calling you that. That's not your real name. I'm trying to find the where would be Gambit outside the courthouse. Yeah. Comic Extracts, echoing what you said about us needing to see humanity come around at the, po at the end of this. Mm. And I would agree with that. And, and it, it's almost hard to even imagine that it will because of where we're painted at the end of this honestly for me i didn't need to see humanity come around i just needed to see a little bit of justice like sure. i needed him to not immediately get off and then make a speech that like revved people up. yeah that was like yeah like i needed to feel a little bit like they there it was a victory for the avengers the uncanny avengers and it didn't it was like oh you have a victory psych right well, and I think that that is the characterization of the fall of X is that the the comeback hasn't started mm -hmm. yet, even if there are seeds for it with what Tony's doing with Emma and setting mm -hmm. stuff up and the underground event uh, X Men and you know, but this definitely this definitely feels like a loss at the end. Mm -hmm. Warline pointing out that Hydrocap was killed by Celine, and later Hydrocap gets resurrected by Celine. Make up your mind, Celine. <laughs> <laughs> Celine. Anas loved Quicksilver thinking quickly and without arrogance and successfully saving Rogue. I thought that was a really yeah, good point. Yeah, that was a great point. It's cool that Duggan is reminding of us that he tried to make Rogue and Deadpool a thing, but also what happened to Deadpool's kid, which I don't what? know, right? Yeah. Question marks all around. What, 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 what? <laughs> this was written by Jerry Duggan, art by Javier Garone. Colors, Maury Hollowell, letters, Travis Lanham. DC's Travis Lanham. Javier and Maury on the cover as well. Are you ready for Wolverine? Wolverine the against Bubs? the Sentinels with the Amazing Spider-Man. Hooray. Oh, so man. many titles. I love this cover. It is a great cover. These are two of my classic favorites. I have shelves for each of these characters <laughs> in action figure form. Who so do you have more of? Well, that's a hard answer to come to because with Spider-Man... Are you just counting Peter Parker? Mm. Well, I guess yes, because then with Logan, with Wolverine, you'd be just counting Logan. 
right? And so with Spider-Man, do you count Ben Parker, a clone of Spider-Man? No. Peter only. But then it's like Wolverine clones or... What's a Wolverine clone? Or alternate universe Wolverines. Alternate... I'm talking Logans. So anyone that is a Logan and anyone that is a Peter, who do you have more of? I think Logan's. I think Logan too. Because you have Peters, you have Miles, you have Gwen, you have... But I, I'm also arguing the point of I think Ben still counts as Peter because he's an exact clone of him that has that... Even in the same way that Kane Parker still likely counts because they're clones of Peter. But would you still think you have more Logans or would you still... I still you... think I have more Logans, yes. <laughs> Irrelevant question. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Let's talk about it. Let's talk Let's about talk these about two. Let's talk about it. These two, the... Whip bubs. Hit me with that Whip little snicked. summary you got. Oh, what I, we, I haven't been writing these. I've just been coming off the dome with them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, Logan recruits Peter, unbeknownst to Peter, for a space mission that is not really thought out. No. It, it, honestly, it felt like Ben Percy was saying, you know all those movies where they say, yeah, we're just going to steal the enemy ship. We're going to falsify a code. We're going to break in. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. And then he opens the door and death. It's not quite so squeezy. Right. Uh, you know, I I was excited because I love these characters. I was mm -hmm. excited because I really do enjoy the Wolverine run. It just felt kind of surface level for Peter on, on my read. Oh, and interesting. I don't know if that's just because like it just it felt like a checklist of characteristics. It felt like, oh, he's complaining. He makes jokes. He saves the day, he does science, he swings, he makes more jokes. I didn't feel like I got a sense of who Peter was at this point in his story. And maybe I'm hyper aware of that because of his four yeah. guests. He's the one I know. Like, I got nothing of what he was going through. And you're reading Amazing Spider-Man exactly. right now. So. Right? And so with, with Captain America, you get that he's doing this thing with the Uncanny Avengers. And with, with the Hulk, he's kind of like lo lost in himself and challenging the other side of him even with um black panther being without a country being kind mm. of disgraced in, like these are all relevant to their current character stories nothing about gang war i think there was like an offhand reference to gang war might be because spidey's twice a month with a bunch of other offshoot titles yeah. who can even nail down his story at any given time with editorial timelines it just it felt kind of surface level and and Honestly, it maybe is because it felt more jovial mm. for Peter than I've read him in the last year or two. And maybe that was, it felt foreign because he's not. Because he's, he's in a dark he's place. He's not happy. He has not I been mean, happy for a while. It's interesting because hearing you say that, I can understand completely where you're coming from. But when I was reading it, I was very much like, oh, this just feels like Peter is literally like just walking down the street, living his life, getting a freaking hot dog. Yeah. And then is completely just like disrupted by logan and he's like you're i'm taking your hot dog you're coming on this mission and it's very real. like flabbergasted the whole time and yes. it's just like okay and like maybe doesn't like like knows logan but is like a little afraid of logan is a little like intimidated by logan so is a little like okay they've, they've yeah. worked together they have definitely not a friends relationship right but so like that felt the whole Peter never being happy to get roped into one of Logan's things is mm. very true. I guess it just kind of felt like like a your uncle shows up and is like you're coming to, you're coming to do yard work with me and you have no like 
no choice about it. And you're just it's, like, oh, okay. It's like Rick and Morty where he shows up at school and he's like, quick and mender, 20 minutes, inside and out, come on. <laughs> yeah. And so in that instance, Peter was very much like, oh, geez, <laughs> like, I, I have know. to save the day. So I, I respect your opinion, but I didn't notice it as much because I'm not so deep in the Spider-Man world right now. Sure. I just, I also thought the plot premise was kind of ridiculous. Hey, jump on this stolen jet and do some science things that I kind of understand now. Like, do I, it now. I kind of loved it because I felt like it was... Desperation? No, it was like, you know, Logan has had this idea of being the last mutant standing, but, like, dude, you're not. Like, you're there right. are so many other mutants out there doing things. And so, like, he had this, like, I have to do this. I have to go. I have to... This is the only way. I have to take this orca ship in and I have to figure it out. And, like, it didn't go well for then him to be reunited with X-Force in the end, sort of, and being like, oh, shoot. I don't actually have to do all this on my own. Like, I'm not actually going to be successful this way. I should kind of reconnect with my people. That element of the monologues there were a lot of like kind of internal monologues mm-hmm. over explosions and space battles I classic think the one about krakoa and being a loner and and trying to have been reestablishing what he lost when krakoa was taken from him mm-hmm. and that's why he's teaming up with all these people because he misses being a part of that team yeah it's the constant struggle of wolverine i'm a loner but i have so many friends yeah. and i'm on everybody's team ups if like, i get close to you i'm just gonna hurt you oh my claws so i gotta go so i gotta go pub yeah remspring is seeing peter parker as the ultimate ally a bit reluctant when sprung on him but he was there completely for logan and the mutant people and mm-hmm. I, I would agree and it's interesting to see how many different mutant stories he's popping up in in Uncanny Spider-Man, in Iceman, just kind of being mm. the guy to be like, oh, yeah, crazy stuff's going on with you guys, but I'm here. I know you. You're yeah. my friends. It's like one thing you can always count on Spider-Man for is if you if you if if he's entangled in your situation. He's going to do the right he's thing. He's going to help you. He's right. not going to be like, ugh, I got to go. Those guys, mutant stuff. Ugh. He's like, all right, let me handle this. And then like, but then I got to go because I'm late. <laughs> Classic Peter Parker. <laughs> Comic Extract said that the Wolverine Spidey kind of failed and it was still fun, exciting, and important. Percy is finishing well. It's interesting, like a fail, maybe their mission, the mission mm. failed, and they just, which is what I was feeling weird about, is that they just went into space and then came back home. And then I guess the, the one good thing, they took out some Sentinels, mm-hmm. especially a Wolverine Sentinel. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a win, I guess. And, and you know, it's this the idea that Logan needs to be brought back to the group. The team, I love that metaphor, that statement. And, like, because he's been bouncing between different teams with all these other people. Mm. And now he's like, oh, hey, there's my team. I should be part of a team. Yeah. Warland loves that someone remembers that Spider-Man knows how to fly and drive a lot of transportation means thanks to owning a lot of them when he was a billionaire. And he remembers that Peter is a brilliant scientist. I have some nitpicks about it, but the good outweighs the bad, so I'm not going to complain. Oh, amazing. Right, right, right. That's good. That's good. Well, and especially, you know, so Peter, when he was, I think Warland's talking about Parker Industries Mm. and when he had all these inventions largely attributed to Doc Ock taking oh, over his body and right. finishing his degree and creating all these Im- impressive things and doing additional, but he would still retain that knowledge, I would assume. Mm. Next is Sabretooth War. Ooh, ooh. Hit me with them credits. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Ibrahim Mustafa, colors Frank Diamarta, letters Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. 
Lionel Francis Yu and Romulo Farhardo Jr. on the cover. The rest of the Wolverine title is the Sabretooth War, at least that we know of. I believe that's going to close out the run at issue 50. It'll be twice monthly for the next few months. Oh. Using the combined efforts of two writers and two artists. Dun, dun, dun. Wolverine is trying to take that Spidey spot you know, twice a month. It's funny because I'm like, I don't care. Give me all the Spider-Man. But you don't read any of it. I know. <laughs> That's, you can't say that when you're not doing any of it. <laughs> Last book. I can say whatever I want. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Last book, Uncanny Spider-Man, the book of the week. The book of the week. Epic cover, intense, ready to fight. This issue did not disappoint. No, not at all. This The ruse, the plan, the infiltration of the Orcus base, the Vulture's motivation being revealed i thought that was really key to his character story the warlock yes warlock. very exciting to see that even just the characterization of the the playing off of mystique being a part of this group like uh, yeah like her jokes with sable <laughs> her relationship with kurt i felt I like, like that was really yeah an interesting development since the the reveal just technically last issue in right. x-men blue just their little combo their yeah. side combo and the like one of your mom's yeah right, you right, know, right. compliment comment and yeah the trickery yeah, warlock you, coming back and freeing the hounds it, from their techno organic prisons it gave you enough of an idea of what happened in x-men blue without rehashing mm-hmm. what happened in x-men blue with the allusions to the kind of sepia tone panels and the, the one of your moms and yeah. just and it, the upgrade to Mystique's abilities and how she's able to genetically alter herself. Yes. And as a final issue, it was really well paced because it was just like, go, 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 go. Stuff happening, reveals happening, explosion, fights, you know, like it felt very like we just jump in and go. Yeah. And so... I found myself starting to, and I said, I can't, you can't do this. I I found myself starting to compare this title with Astonishing Iceman. Mm. It's very different. Very different. Because of the supporting cast, Mm -hmm. a key supporting cast, and a writer that has been writing this story for however many years Cy Spurrier has been working with Nightcrawler-related stories. It's interesting that you say that you can't do that, though, because they are individual solo characters characters who have in a way been displaced from the rest of mutant kind and are trying to find their place in their way back so i can see why that would be a comparison that comes to mind it's just uncanny spider-man has the benefit of relying on spider-man's entire ideology right you have spider-man himself in it you have two of his rogues you have someone who is kind of a spider adjacent character you said uncanny spider-man but you meant uncanny nightcrawler no it's uncanny spider-man you're right (laughs) i'm like no it's nightcrawler no that's not the name of the title whereas iceman was just creating something brand new from the one struggle Right. Of having died at the Hellfire. Game. And if you think about where Iceman has been in the comics up until now, it hasn't been as intense as like no. the journey that Nightcrawler's been going through. And like you're saying, Cy writing all of that exactly. and the the whole thing with Legion and yep. and Way of X and him trying to find himself and then being turned into a demon. The and, and killing people and right. having that the hope sword. Like all right. of these things that oh, touch back sword. to 
elements that had been rolling with this narrative for the last three years, we'll mm-hmm. say, even Warlock's involvement, right. even the mystique element, having a character that actually deeply means something. You think about the narrative of Nightcrawler had a story with his mom. Mm-hmm. Bobby had a story with his mom. One went somewhere. Well, right? very different. Very different because it's Bobby's similar. mom is not a named character that you care about in X-Men comics. Right. Yeah. It's just an interesting thought experiment in how these two things are very different. You're right. I loved it. Honestly, going through it again made me take in just how much the story introduced to the world of Orcus with the hounds, with Vulture, and and playing with the characters of Nightcrawler, Mystique, Legion, Warlock, even Silver Sable and Spider-Man. I think that it's really difficult for me to definitively say, because of this title, to definitively say that Dark X-Men was my favorite mini. Gotcha. I really was, I mean, you all know if you were listening to the show at that point, like I was very skeptical of this title. I was, I was unsure. I was like, don't need it. Why? And then I read the first issue and I was like, ooh, I really like this. The writing is really good. There's like really great beats and moments and I'm really intrigued as where the story's going. And And I just feel like every single issue of this series was so great and so fun. And they felt full. Yeah. And, and I felt, got my warlock back. And they felt different. Every issue was doing something different in a larger story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting to, to think about. For sure. For sure. For sure. But JP, Dark X-Men is still number one. Yeah. It's just difficult because of this. JP Didomasso loved Cloak and Dagger inviting Mystique for drinks and having Kurt meet Destiny officially as one of his moms. Mm. And I think that's two great points. I think just Warlock being the one is like the the light and dark gimmick couple have invited her for drinks and <laughs> reckless abandon. All right. Yeah, that's cool. I love Warlock. So I'm so happy that he's back. Yes. And, and excited to see how that changes the conversation with Destiny. And, yeah. And does it? Do they get that meeting? Right. Because we don't know. White Hot Room aside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Bruce 33 really hopes Nightcrawler and Silver Sable stay together. I loved that ending, so cool. too, right? And and just like how they the, the ruse of it all. The So if, if you didn't actually read the book, Nightcrawler was in one of the Wild Pack uniforms and Mystique had genetically altered herself to look and read as Nightcrawler. And so they were able to flip and start to fight yes. everyone and do a jailbreak in that sense. But yeah. I think it's interesting too for Nightcrawler to have been searching this whole time for himself and for and playing with the idea of different partners and different relationships and you know being a gigolo. Sure. <laughs> that like he found a connection in Sable and that like they are now still together like at the end at yeah. the end seeing them like kind of sitting on that little rooftop that was that was a sweet little moment. I would totally like to see that continue. And Filipino Gambit agrees. I absolutely love Nightcrawler and Silver Sable together. Also, Mystique's new quote-unquote powers are a game-changer for the war against Orcus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how could she infiltrate a member of... And in the same way... Just, I, like, tear them apart, Mystique. I, I can't wait. I think back to, can she make it so she does not read as a mutant? Right. Well, did we get an answer as to why Nightcrawler wasn't reading? That was because of the Legion Banff. Right. Which is okay. officially revealed as Legion, even though we've been suspecting this for a little mm-hmm. while, and is confirmed. But the fact that they've been using all of Legion's offshoot powers to be able to, to make all these... Manipulate it. Right. Got it. 
Comic Extra is calling Mystique and Warlock as an awesome metamorph team up. Excited to see more. Oh my God. Uh, when they go away with the baby carriage. And those the... two as a team. Let's go. I would read that. That would be, I mean, Mystique would lose her mind. She'd be so annoyed. She'd be so annoyed. <laughs> and I'm here for that. But I'm so like, I don't know how many deep in their soul Warlock fans there are out in the world, but I am one of them. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of Team Supreme fans. Doug and Warlock? No, just Warlock. Yeah, no, I'm, Warlock. I'm a Warlock fan. I love I lo- Warlock. I am, like, when I was flipping through the issue again today before we started recording, I, like, got to that page and I went, like, hee like, out loud again. We'll have to watch just the... so excited. We'll have to watch the X-Men episodes where he's in it. Okay. Because he's in it. Warlion, seeing Mystique hitting on Sable reminds him of when Mystique seduced Gambit. It's a weird trend, Mystique. And I would just, you know. I feel like it's like one of those like power play moments, you know, where she's just like, yeah, okay, I got this too. No, nah, she was she was legitimately trying to mess with Gambit and Rogue at that point. No, I meant with Sable. Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a power play. Like... Yeah, yeah. I, I did love the, the conversation between the two of them. It's like, oh, because of my open beliefs and my badass nature with guns and it's like no i was thinking about your butt but yes (laughs) pragmatism and pistols are also very yeah worthwhile you probably remind him of me yeah (laughs) it's like well yeah then you look at it right that's that's fair right listen if someone's got a good butt you should tell them they have a good butt there you go you know as long as it's in an appropriate way (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know if i would take that as general advice don't do it ignore me you know why am i in this hr meeting i was just following the x-men podcast recommendation alicia said if someone has a good butt you should tell them they have a good butt i meant it as compliment who the heck is alicia (laughs) she's fired too hey that's the week that's this week and we're coming to you next week many weeks ago with the next week it was it was like 10 days ago yeah but we did it we we caught up and then we're gonna catch up again yep amazing until next time old friend Charles! thanks so much for joining us today on the ex-wife podcast be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends the ex-wife podcast is produced in providence rhode island by alicia and justin our music is by kwan